All right, Jesus is awesome. So we're doing Overcoming Resentfulness, part three. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. <laughs> We've been talking about um, loving others to get, you know. We've been talking about loving others to get. We've also talking about forgiveness. Um... Because resentfulness is to to harbor wrongs against someone else, to to hold something against somebody else, and and to keep on adding to the list. That's resentfulness. So it's easy to uh, have resentfulness towards others whenever you when you just keep on having it built up on you and built up on you, built on you. Even if that person that you just encountered didn't do anything wrong to you, you're already offended at them anyway when they walked in the room because you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. That's what resentfulness is. <clears throat> resentfulness, um, because you've you've created such a record of wrongs in somebody in, in everyone else, you just automatically assume that no one is trustworthy. Amen. And you automatically assume that that uh, and, and and for the most part, you know, uh, probably right. <laughs> but that's not Jesus. You know, Jesus died for all, and he loved others no matter what he could get. And what we have to realize is, in order to make people trustworthy, we actually have to start giving trust. Okay, and what I mean by that is we can, yesterday we talked about how when you love someone the right way, when you love someone unconditionally, it pulls out of them unconditional love, okay? Um, and it's really the only hope to encounter unconditional love. If you are waiting until you get unconditional love to start loving unconditionally, then it'll never happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to start loving people unconditionally, and that will give others hope for being able to love unconditionally when they start watching your life. Um, and that's really the key to overcoming resentfulness is loving unconditionally, being able to forgive and be able to let go and being able to give everyone a chance. Uh, and I said this yesterday about, you know, I, I never ex- I'm never expect the worst out of somebody, but I'm never surprised either. Mm-hmm. I always expect the best out of someone, but when the worst comes out, I'm not surprised. And the reason why is because I know people. I know the hearts of people that that they are desperately wicked. And the reason why they're desperately wicked is, here's what makes someone desperately wicked. When you just think about yourself. And everybody deals with that, you know. There isn't one person that doesn't think about doesn't deal with that all morning. <laughs> right? There isn't one person that doesn't, that doesn't go through that, you know. Um, and it's only by watching someone... Or, or watching true love, how true love works, that you are ever able to overcome that. So if you, this is the key, if you want other people to be able to love you unconditionally, the only hope for that is for you to begin to love others unconditionally. Unforgiveness, I have one here, unforgiveness breeds bitterness. This is what causes a person to wake up angry. So we talked about that a little bit yesterday as well. How when you wake up grumpy, it's just simply because you've forgotten the good news. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, imati- you, you, you have uh, automatically assumed that today is going to be a bad day. And who? And I overheard uh, Adam speaking last night um, about some things uh, that are really good. You know, you you can't control necessarily how the day goes, but you can control how you react to it. Um, my mom used to say this: uh, Life is ten percent of what happens to you. And 90% of how you react. The whole thing is boils down to that, you know. Um, and that's really the truth, man. Are, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay down in your pit or are you going to get back up? Are you going to...
come up with excuses all your life, or you're going to become an overcomer. And so, uh, that's the thing. Whenever we wake up grumpy in the morning, we automatically identified with being a victim. Oh, man, the whole world's out to get me. Ah, you know? And so we go into our defense mechanism, our defense mode, which would be anger. And we talked about how pretty much, you know, grumpy people are serial killers, you know? They get, wake up and start killing everybody in their heart. Die, 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 don't touch, die. <laughs> James 4. Man, I finally got to my sacred scripture verse after two hours of teaching. James chapter 4, verse <laughs> 1 through 4. Uh, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Okay? So, this sounds like a grumpy person waking up in the morning this passion I want to go back to sleep and the reason why you want to go back to sleep is, is you want to run you're a coward yeah sorry that was blunt. blunt but it's true we don't want to wake up because we don't want to deal with life and its problems mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just being a coward you know that's the truth if we want to we have to when we wake up we have to take over the day you know like I'm going to be the one who determines how this day is going to lay out. No one else is, you know. I will determine. And, and it begins with being thankful, man. I know what God has done for me. This is one more opportunity. If people who are grumpy have lost sight and focus of purpose in their life, they think that their purpose is to run and go to sleep. When their purpose really <laughs> is to lay a bed <laughs> Oh, you were trying to lay a bed with the headache? I did. <laughs> but... When we are purpose-driven in our life to make a difference in other people's lives mm -hmm. um, and to advance the kingdom of God, we get excited about that. You know, one of the ways I make sure that I'm happy to wake up in the mornings is when I go to bed, I look forward to waking up. But, you know, um, really, dude, I'll, I'll wake... My point is, is the reason why I, get, I look forward to waking up is because I'm looking forward to spending time with my Heavenly Father. Amen. You see? So when I go to sleep, I'm already excited about... It's like Christmas to me, you know. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to spend time with my father, you know. Uh, I'll even become so defensive over it. I mean, my wife will try to talk to me like, hey, i got to go to sleep. i got to wake up early and spend time with the Lord. And she'd be all kind of, look, God comes before you, honey. I'm sorry. You know, now, and that's just the truth. Uh, and it's powerful, you know, when you realize that... Um, that's where your strength comes from. So I'm looking forward to that new day to be with my father and to make a difference in the world. You see what I'm saying? So if we live in with purpose-driven lives like that, then we're happy about being alive. So when we wake up, it's exciting. You see what I mean? It's a different perspective. It's the only reason why that you would wake up grumpy is if you didn't have anything to look forward to. Amen. Or go to bed thinking you have something negative to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, and so it really is, it comes down to a matter of faith and hope and what you put your hope in, you know. You putting your hope in how people are going to treat you today? Because if you put your hope in how people are going to treat Ooh, you today, you're in trouble. You're going to be disappointed. Sorry. But what people do, check this out. Even though we may be in a victim mentality at that point, we are living for ourselves. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? You see how it's, it's like a, it happens at the same time, you know. I'm living for myself. I want others to recognize me. I want others to affirm me. I want others to lift me up. You know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. 
like I said before, we have a need for that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But we shouldn't be living for it. Certainly. You know, we should be living for the Lord. The scripture, you know, the Lord told me one day, he says, Zach, you were not made for men's applause. You were made for my applause. And that was <laughs> life-changing for me. Because I realized one day I'll stand before God, and he's going to be the one who says to me, well done, my faithful servant. good and faithful servant. That's praise, and that's, that's affirmation. That's exaltation. What we're looking for is the love of a father, but we're really looking for the love of our heavenly father. Why is it important, watch this, why is it important for me to treat others nicely then? If it doesn't matter what people think, why is it important for me to treat other people properly? The reason why is because each person is the image of God. When you don't go love someone the way God would love them, you actually are not violating them. You're violating the image of God. You mm -hmm. see? That's why it's a sin. I'm not representing my father well I'm not representing God well you were created to represent God that's why he created you in the image of God how yeah. many people say this if God was real then why did he let all that stuff happen to me the reason why is because people in their life that were supposed to be the image of God showed a bad example of what God was like so immediately they think God must be evil or God must be out to get me or God is not happy with me or God doesn't love me why because you are the witness of God so we're the reason why it's a sin to treat others in the wrong way is because what we do is we are not representing God the way he designed us to represent him and so also like we said before how is someone to know what love is unless they've seen it displayed so it does matter so you see what I'm saying where it doesn't matter how people treat me, it does matter how I treat others. You see? Because I know my father. You see? They're, the way that they treated me doesn't give me an excuse for how I want to treat others. In fact, uh, it's all the more reason to treat them the way God treated me. You see? All it is is a deception. People don't understand and they don't, they don't recognize how much they've been loved. Or they would treat others differently. If people are treating people the wrong way because they because they've been treated the wrong way, how much more would they treat people the right way if they realized that they were treated the right way? <coughs> you see, I'm gonna say that again. If people treat others evilly, you know, in an evil manner, because of the way they've been treated in the past, how much more? If that was the real excuse for why they were doing it. How much more would they be treating others in love if they had known love? Yeah. You see? If they had just known how much they were shown love. And that's and that's and it's the truth, man. Uh, we become a byproduct of, of the environment around us. So what are you surrounding yourself with? This is why I get up in the morning early and spend time with the Lord, because I'm surrounding myself with him. Because through his deposits into my life, I now have good fruit. You see. But if I go to the other ones that don't represent God well, their deposits into my life will produce bad fruit. You see? Make sense? That's good stuff. All right, so James 4.1. <clears throat> what causes quarrels and fights among you? It's not that you, your passions are at war within you. I think what it's talking about is that internal struggle. You know? You don't have peace. You know? Yeah. Um, and this is why it all goes back to being <laughs> at peace with God, you know? You know, I'm actually going to comment on something else. My wife and I were talking this morning, uh, and she was talking about some of these 
little memes on Facebook of these pictures with the words on them that say, you're not a bad mom. You know, what you did wasn't really all that bad. You know? And what they're, what they're talking about is mom shame, if you've ever heard of that. Moms that feel like failures. Or wives that feel like failures. You know? Because they couldn't, because they, they didn't perform or they didn't uh, produce. You know? And so they're identifying themselves with their performance. <clears throat> Whether or not they're able to, you know, heck, even be a mom. You know, uh, or if they have kids, whether or not they're able to do to mother properly, you know, well, I yelled at my kids, you know, and so now I feel like I'm a bad mom. And so the world will say, oh, you're not a bad person. You know, you just, you know, you did a bad thing. Well, that only works in the light of Jesus, because without Jesus, you are a bad person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your identity outside of Christ is evil, you know. And so those memes out there that, that say those things, they're trying to boost people up, but people don't believe it. And the reason why they don't believe it is because they don't understand how it works. How, did, how does that work? Yeah. Don't just tell me I'm a good person when I did something bad. How am I a good person? The only way you'll ever understand that is in Jesus. Jesus makes you a good person. He gives you a new create. He makes you a new creation. Gives you a new identity. You see what I'm saying? So a lot, all, so many times we look at it and we say, well, you know, people say, well, you're not a bad person. Look, man, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. That's the words of Jesus. I should put that on a meme. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yes, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? So, but then the problem is going back to that shame thing we talked about yesterday. When you have shame, you're identifying with your failure. Well, without Christ, that's where you are. The only way you can be set free from shame is in Christ. Because you can say all those words all you want, but you'll never feel free from your shame unless you have Jesus. And once you realize that he's created you anew, then that you're not identified anymore by your failure. Does that make sense? All right. So, <clears throat> you desire and do not have, and so let's keep on going. When things aren't going according to our plans, then stress follows. And oftentimes the things we want are not even godly. Okay? The intentions and the motives are normally selfish. We kind of talked about that earlier. I'm reading some things I wrote on here. When we learn to surrender to the Lord, this is when the fight ends in our hearts. Okay? So we have that passion. But when we learn to surrender to the Lord, and when we surrender to God, it's not just a one-time deal. It's a continual deal. Every day. I've had people tell me, well, haven't I surrendered? Only you and God can talk about that. I can look at what you said or what you did, but really, it's your heart issue right now. You know? Are you, did you really surrender? And it's not just surrendering once, it's surrendering daily, you know? Uh, you flesh daily. <clears throat> yeah, that's the renewing of your mind every day. Repentance, constantly. This is when the fight ends in our hearts. The war on the inside is what causes fights on the outside. So if I'm not peaceful on the inside, I won't be peaceful on the outside. So anytime someone's blowing up, I know that they're not at peace on the inside. So we need to talk about some heart issues. See, that's why I always kind of run in. Uh, line around here. We need to gain peace on the inside by turning to the, to the Father. Jesus died so that we could have peace with the Father. And, the, and we talked about this. We've actually already talked about this. Um, so I've actually gone further in my notes than I thought. Um, when the Father forgives us, then this gives us the capacity to love others, others in the same manner by forgiving them. Um, well, I want to read this too. Surrendering to the Father brings forgiveness, and also leads us down a road of forgiving others. 
This will remove resentment and bitterness. We must be men of mercy. So, what creates a man? I, there's a movie out. I wouldn't recommend everybody necessarily watch it, but there's a. It's called uh, Schindler's List. Oh yeah, I've seen that. All right, there's a the man in there uh, who's the German soldier. Uh, he's up there on the tower and he's just picking off the Jews at the concentration camp just for fun, you know. Just killing them. Just killing them, you know, and uh, like target practice, you know. And Schindler comes up there and he's talking to this this. General, whoever it is, and uh, commander or whatever, and he says, "Listen, true power is not the ability to take life, but it's to free a life. Hmm. True power is not to um, to take life, but it is to save a life, or to have mercy. You know, and it 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 jogged that guy for a minute. You know, he thought that by shooting all these people, he would have this power, but that's not true power. That's you know, it's insecurity." You know, you feel like you have to take a life so you can feel powerful, you know, when truly, true power is to be able to let someone go, you know, to, to be merciful, you know, and forgive them. That's, that's power. Only a judge has even the authority to forgive. Think about that. When you talk about authority. And so this is why Jesus comes and breathes on the, the disciples, and says, breathes in them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone their sins, they're forgiven. If you do not, then they're withheld. Isn't that crazy? So, all right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and 50. Y'all got your Bibles? Luke chapter 6, verse 36. I mean, Luke chapter 7. Where am I at here? I mean, it's Bible. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Kind of give you a little brief down here. Jesus goes over to this guy's house. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious man. Oh, yeah. Luke chapter 3? 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. <clears throat> he goes into this guy's house, and uh, he starts eating with them, and then this woman comes in. So it says, uh, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed her feet, his feet, and anointed him with oil. I mean, ointment. And same thing. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. In other words, a prostitute. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, he answered him, this is funny. Uh, it said to himself. So the Pharisee said this to himself. Like he wasn't even talking to Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus answered him, <laughs> Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Then they, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. We're talking about being grateful here. 
Simon didn't recognize what needed to, he needed to be grateful for. He didn't recognize recognize the sin that had been forgiven of him. You know, it wasn't a matter of how much sin. It was a matter of recognition. Heart issue. Simon didn't, couldn't see his sin. If he did see his sin, he would have been just as grateful as that woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she was has wet my feet and with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And it was like this. You want to know why I know they're forgiven? Because she loved much. So, you want to see somebody who's been forgiven? Do they love? If they love, you know they're forgiven. Yeah. You know that they know they're forgiven. You see? When someone isn't loving, that means they don't know how much they've been forgiven. You see what I mean? They don't recognize their sin. <clears throat> they don't think they have any. A lot of times. You know? It's You know what gives a man his power? It's compassion. Every time Jesus did something miraculous, it was because he was moved with compassion. You can't have compassion unless you recognize, unless you really love someone, you know what I mean? And, anyway, it's not pity either. So sometimes people don't want pity. Man, you're missing it. Compassion. Compassion will move you to, to love and to lay down your life. It says, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he wasn't saying that Simon didn't have any sin. He was pretty much saying, Simon, you haven't been forgiven. Not because it wasn't offered to you, but because you haven't taken it. You don't see your need for it. Mm -hmm. You see? That makes sense? And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. So then he forgave her. It's good. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Alright? So it's interesting that this woman was forgiven and it was considered faith. Simon, the religious man, did not have faith. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, huh? To think about that you could be religious and not have faith. Alright, Simon's sin was no less than the woman's sin. Both would send, both of their sins would send them straight to hell. You see? The cost for their sin was the same. We talked about this in their sin is sin. Yep. But the woman realized that she had sin and the Pharisee did not. Um, <clears throat> uh, knowing how much you've been forgiven results in thankfulness. Knowing how much you've been forgiven results in thanksgiving. I'm not talking about the meal. I'm talking about being able to be thankful. When you know how much you've been forgiven, it ends in being thankful. Being thankful destroys 
resentfulness. So the key to overcoming resentfulness is to remember how much you've been forgiven. You see? It's good stuff. Uh, and the reason why is because it's good news. And watch this. Check this out. You're thankful. Why are you thankful? Because you're focusing on good news. On the good news. That brings joy. You want to know how to have strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So people are like, well, so that's why people are resentful. Man, I just, they feel weak. Because they've forgotten. They have no joy. You see? It's good stuff. <clears throat> the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, I'm going to keep on reading some of this stuff I wrote. What, what better way to get in a good mood than by remembering what he has done for you? Amen. It is our pride that gets in the way. When we don't acknowledge our need for a Savior, when we, all, we are also in danger of entering this pride again, when we begin to forget where we came from and what Christ did for us. When we forget our need for a Savior, we lack the ability to be understanding towards others, towards those that have caused offense toward us. This is why people who never had an addiction have trouble showing compassion towards those that have struggled. You see? Yeah. And what we're really looking for is someone to have compassion on us. We look really like we want it to be understood. You see? It's perfect. Didn't even realize this is what he was going to teach on last night. I've been already written this up. This is crazy. It's really a desire to be understood. And that's why God sent Jesus. So he could go through all the temptations. It says we do not have a high... It's not that we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand our weakness. Jesus has gone through the same temptation, the same struggle. You know, he understands now what it means to be weak. You see what I'm saying? So that he could be strong. So how do we all get to the point where we can help anybody? Recognizing your own sin for what it really is. That's how you recognize it. Uh, this is why people who... Okay, I already put that. They lack understanding of the bondage. They have trouble relating. Okay, but if we would understand our true predicament, then we wouldn't. It, there would be no barriers. You see what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> we're going to go over here to John. John. John chapter 9, verse 35 through 41. John chapter 9, verse 35 through 41. Jesus uh, heard that they had cast him out. So talking about this blind man he just healed, right? Having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Verse 40, Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. <clears throat> So when and again that goes down to, and, and you don't have to be in church to, to be a Pharisee. You could be in the world and be a Pharisee. <coughs> uh, all right. So in Hebrew, uh, well, anyway, I think that's probably a good little spot. We 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 talked about how how Christ could um, relate to us. You can find that in Hebrews, um, chapter four, verse fourteen through sixteen. It says that we have. Uh, it says that we, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, 
right? That's actually what I was referring to a second ago, how how Jesus could relate to our weakness. James chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Amen. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. That's James. I've actually already talked about a lot of this stuff, but it just didn't give, give you guys scriptural references, so I'm giving them to you now. All right, this we're going to end with this one, okay? Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Oh, yeah. 70 times 7. 7 times 7. Not 7 times, Jesus replied, but 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date. Oh. Talk louder. All right. Uh, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decides to... Decided to decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. And the process, one of his uh, debt, debtors was brought and who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. <coughs> And he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king and went to fulfill a servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him a little more time, be patient with me, and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called the man, called the man and uh, he had forgiven, and said, You evil servant, I forgave you for the tremendous debt because you plead with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? When the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt, that's what my heavenly father will do if you, are, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. From your heart. From your heart. From your heart. From his heart. Forgive from your heart. This is crazy. This, this is an important uh, parable. Uh, Jesus, when you study it, and you see the, um, what it, how many talents was the one is that? It was Zanari. 10,000 talents versus one, 100 denarii. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, 10,000 talents was equal to 20 years worth of wages. Mm. Wow. That's safe to say that's a life, life sentence, yeah. right? Uh, that's almost a life debt, right? Uh, the 100 denarii was a day's wage. Oh, man. It's oh. <clears throat> crazy. It might have been, it might have been more than that. A tad know. bit more. I don't know. I might but have nothing, compared to life nothing compared to huh? life sentence. Nothing compared to life A day's wage? One day? Yeah. One day. You get paid for one, you work one day and you pay that one. Compared you know. to you work twenty years to get pay the debt. Twenty years debt versus one, one day, day debt. debt. Say you work Chick Fil A, you get paid eighty dollars a day. That's eighty dollars that day. Did you get paid? Don't say. Yeah. Versus eighty times three hundred sixty-five times twenty. Oh, I see. 
Greatly outnumbers the $80. But the point is, the first man owed the king, or whoever it was, the master, yeah. a, a life debt. And this is what translates to me. This is why it hits me so hard. I owe God a life debt. Yes. And when you sin against me, you've only owed me that day. Exactly. You see? So, whenever I have trouble forgiving you of the one day, I have to remember that he forgave me my whole life. Exactly. You see? And so, Jesus is saying that the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. What made him wicked wasn't all the debt he owed. Yeah. It was the debt he was not willing to forget. What made him wicked was not all the debt he owed. It was his inability to forgive mm-hmm. his fellow servant. That is crazy. That is so bizarre. In fact, that's probably not taught on very much enough. Mm-hmm. The reason why people don't teach on it is because pastors probably struggle with it. Mm-hmm. How many church members came and that were sheep that turned into wolves and hurt the pastor? Now the pastor has trouble forgiving. You know? What we have to do is we have to learn how to take our blows. We have to be like Jesus, man. We got to take our 39 lashes. That's what it means to suffer for Christ. <clears throat> to suffer for Christ doesn't mean that you're, you know, it, it means you take your 39 lashes. And who gave him 39 lashes? The people that did, the people that were resentful. The people that didn't forgive him. The people that didn't, you know what I mean? Or he didn't have anything to be forgiven of. But the people that didn't love him, the people that he died for, that just whipped him. You see? They backstabbed him. You see what I mean? He came only to love them, but they turned their backs on him. Jesus took the lash from the ones that backstabbed him. You see? And he kept on doing it, and he kept on going, and he didn't stop loving them. And so what made a person wicked, according to this parable, is not even the debt that they owed. is the debts they did not forgive. That's powerful. That will change Christianity. If people could get this, we can go out and pray for people to get healed. But if you're not getting this, you're missing it. Almost definitely. You know, I believe in the supernatural. I like going out there and 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 being on the street and praying for people and getting getting healed and whatnot. But dude, if we don't know how to forgive, we've missed it all. This is the backbone of Christianity. This is the backbone of healing. I mean, with love is forgiveness, and a backbone of Christianity is all love. That's right. And if you can't forgive. And you know, we're talking about men forgiving other men. You know, God did what was necessary to forgive others. Now, people still reject Him at that point. Justice must be served, but um, He still offered it to everyone. You see what I'm saying? Um, So it's interesting. It's interesting, but you're given mercy so that you can give mercy. Um. Wow. Many times we hold grudges, but the real reason we are unhappy is because of ourselves. We hold on to something from the past and refuse to let things go. It would be like someone dropping a burning piece of coal into your hands, and in your stubbornness, you refuse to let it go. And the coal continues to burn your skin. Things that were meant to destroy us cannot be held on to. If you're holding on to the offense that was given to you, it will destroy you. You've got to let it go. It's like someone who took a sharp piece of glass and stabs in your arm and cuts and the arm sticks, uh, gets deeper inside, right? Mm-hmm. And 
you cry out in pain. Look what you did to me. The glass is never removed and it stays in your skin. The arm begins to puff up and gets infected. Then mm. someone else comes by and bumps in your arm. You immediately cry out in pain again. Ah! Don't touch me! Now you think everybody's out to get me, right? You get, become, become paranoid. You don't want nobody getting around you. You get away from me. Get away from me. You don't let anybody in. You see? This is resentfulness. By this point, the pain is without ceasing and just gets worse as the days go by. Every morning you wake up in pain and you draw away from everyone else for fear that they might bump into you and cause you more pain. You don't trust anyone to be around you. And in your confused state, you begin to lash out at others closest <laughs> to you because you are in pain and nobody seems to notice. Right? Yes. Then when someone does notice and tries to help get the glass out, there's even more pain. Mm. So you tell them to get away. Beyond. The pain begins to cripple you and you become completely useless and cannot do even normal daily tasks. Useless. And it's not the fact that you're defined by uselessness. It's the fact that you allowed this thing inside you to stay make in, you useless. Stay in you, yeah. We have to submit to the surgery and get the things <laughs> out of us that is causing so much pain. This we'll is get, what forgiveness... Huh? <laughs> this is what... Yeah, even that's painful, right? This is what forgiveness does. Resentfulness and bitterness is like an infection in our heart. We have to remove the cause of infection, and we do that by forgiving. Amen. The power of the cross was to free us of the dominion of sin and its power over us. That is our sin and the sin of others. You hear that? Well, the cross, this is powerful, the cross was, was designed to free you from the dominion of sin. Your own sin and the sin of others towards you. You don't have to be bound by other people's sin towards you anymore. It's powerful. First <laughs> mm. Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Be sure to hit that like button, share it to your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to visit our website at bombzs.com. We got a lot of content there, a lot of things for you that are absolutely free. Wow. So be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you have a great day, and God bless.